squares. I like the squares. That's good. The last squares. The last squares. Hey everybody, Kevin O'Connell with the Niche Movement Podcast. I have a super fun and new episode with our first in-person guest, Vin Velasquez from Hurricane Productions. He is a New Jersey native, which is very fitting for this episode to be the first in-person guest. He's a Rutgers alum. And really what we talked about, and I really think this is a great, great episode to listen to. We actually uh, might be cutting us up into two parts. But we talked about how he started his business from scratch at the age of 16, and I've been plugging away ever since how he got his first uh, pseudo internship with the Star Ledger and, and how he did that and broke through the noise. And so there's some great tips there. And he also talked about the moments you put yourself out there, which has been in previous podcast episodes that Hannah and I have talked about. So he talked about the moment you put yourself out there, be it a blog, talking to a client, saying, yes, we can do this. And like, oh shit, we got to figure out how to do it now. He really goes into the depth of that time he puts himself out there that really comes back full circle and has kept him going. So we go on a lot of different tangents. There's a lot of great value in here for both people that are trying to do the side hustle entrepreneurship route, as well as, hey, I'm in the full-time job and I need to make some changes. Really encourage you to listen in and connect with Vin. Uh, But again, one of my favorite episodes. Glad we got this going. And if you are a guest that would like to be Skyped in or come to DC, we would love, love to interview you. Enjoy this episode. Thank you. Very first thing is... Basically, we connected, and here's what Vin's bio is, and this is where I'm going to try to break it down. So you founded Hurricane Productions when you were 16, which I want to really get into that. Sure. It's out of Red Bank, New Jersey. Uh, you produce 100 events from Atlantic City to Boston, perhaps now maybe from D.C. to Boston. Maybe we'll get you in the D.C. market, um, get a chance to work together. Uh, you employ more than two dozen people, which is very fascinating, and I'd love to, obviously, I know you have Austin here today, but I'd really like to even kind of talk about that. And, you know, how that's unfolded and, mm-hmm. and you know, what are the ups and downs of that. Um, we have, you have to do video production, social media marketing ventures. So is that tied in with mm-hmm. Hurricane Productions? Yeah, well? so basically what we did was we were able to um, take the methods of how we built our business mm-hmm. and say, how did we do this? We had no money. You know, you can imagine in 2003, 2004, there was this thing called Google. Yep. We're like, wow, a lot of people get on this thing and like search. At least I know I did. Yeah. So my business partner, Strato, and I were like, well, if we're on here, we don't have to be on billboards. We don't have to be in the magazine and newspaper, any of those places. So we just really focused on that. Mm-hmm. Then this thing called Facebook came out. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I'm sharing all this stuff with these people I'm meeting in college. Yeah. Maybe I'll start to inject you know, some business stuff here and there. Um, aside from wearing my T-shirt around the dorms, this is a really good way to get the message out about the company. Uh, so we were using Facebook before the business pages were available, but very skillfully, not yeah. inundating people with content just here and there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, we, we just had a, a lot of bit of uh, trial and error, yeah. and uh, we're doing things before they became really sexy in the, in the ad world. I love it um, because I think somebody that can – feel the trends and feel where things are going and jump on it. Um, I'm seeing that right now with Snapchat it is, is you're literally getting 40, 50, 60 people watching your Snapchats are super engaged. Um, so I think anywhere you can get a pulse and a jump on it, creating an audience is, is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously you're a 2009 graduate of Rutgers and that's mm-hmm. kind of where we've had some mutual connections here. If for anybody out there, uh, if you've ever heard of Dance Marathon, whether it be at Penn State or Rutgers, Specifically at Rutgers, you've been at a hurricane-produced event. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've pretty much DJed and helped on the event side of that and the production side of, of the dance marathons at Rutgers. Walked in as a freshman, volunteered, said, wow, this event could use yeah. 
some of the stuff that we do on the private event side and maybe just scale it up. Yeah. And we've been helping them grow, you know, since that point. Cool. And so that's huge. Um, and really, uh, we'll get right out to it. But if you want to connect with Vin, it's at Vin Velasquez, Velasquez <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and the one thing that I really like is his blog, Thoughts on 20-something Entrepreneurship, at his website, VincentVelasquez.com. Less than 365 days left on the 20-something tagline, yes. though. I'll tell yes. you that much. Yes. So uh, that's where you can connect with him. That's where you can uh, really get in touch with him. But So what I'm going to get into, it, and this is really Hannah's prompt from, uh, I think, four or five episodes ago when we first relaunched this, is she threw me off guard uh, and asked me this question, but I'm going to kind of explain it. So... I'm here because I really think that there's something greater than myself. This movement, uh, I love finding stories, whether it's for individuals or for organizations and helping telling those stories. So helping individuals tell their story, grow their personal brand, get out there, whether it's side hustle, full-time job, entrepreneurship, uh, same thing with the organizational side, photo, video, social media. Um, and I love producing content that helps others. So that's why I'm sitting here today. That's why I reached out to you. First question I'm going to throw your way is why are you here? I like the human element. You know, I, I like the idea that no matter what we do, no matter how tech savvy we are, that it takes this mm -hmm. to get things done more than anything. You know, and if you understand the human element, then you can apply that to anything that you do. I was at a seminar on Saturday and someone was like, well, I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm more in the healthcare field. My career is going to be in front of a computer. Yeah. I'm like, but think about who's on the other side of that computer yeah. and how they're interfacing with you and how you guys are communicating. And if you can bring that to how you go about your day, yeah. you're going to go far in your field, regardless if you just sit in front of a computer and work amongst your coworkers. So I think bringing the human element and uh, no matter what's available to you out there tech-wise, that's why I'm here. And I so, think we bring so no matter the medium, whether it's face-to-face, -face, phone call, email, Twitter, etc., trying to humanize mm -hmm. and kind of have that human emotion intelligence. Basically. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that goes a long way. And I'm wondering, you know, is that taught, do you think? Is that learned? Is that acquired or evolved over your experiences? Like, like what do you think? I think one of the experiences that I had is actually when I met my girlfriend, okay. believe it or not, is... Uh, we met at a wedding. I was a wedding MC, and you know you can make your assumptions. I was on yeah. the job, and I, I don't. I didn't ever give out my number to people or anything like that, and I didn't that night with with Alexandra. But through mutual friends, kind of like this in a way, uh, Sandra being that that X factor, yeah. is I was like, can can I have her number? And she was like, oh, okay. And instead of texting, instead of tweeting, instead of Facebook message, instead of Instagram, yeah. I picked up the phone and I called her, cool. and that made all the difference. That gave me a return phone call and a date and a chance yeah. and a way in and I think that uh, if you are willing to do that in your personal life okay. then you should translate that over to your professional sure. life so so if you're like hey you know I want to connect for an interview with this person or I want to grow my network and I see something out there like call them up you know you got to stand out basically it might catch yeah. somebody off guard yeah. you know you can email them you can connect yeah. with them in other yeah. places like it doesn't always have to be a phone call yeah. but I think that if you really want something uh, getting that couple minutes on the phone with someone can be huge yeah cool um, so what has been like the most pivotal moment for you? So, so let me, I'll give some context because I don't know, I think I said it earlier in his intro. You've been doing this in some capacity since 16 mm -hmm. and you and I were just chatting about this before the camera was been live is so that's been about 10, 11, 12, 13 years. And I'm sure this is an overnight success. And that's what I pride. This is why I'm telling my story because I left Rutgers. I'm doing this full time. And I'm sure you and I, like the, there's the Tony Robbins and Gary Vaynerchuk, so these people out there that are making millions, that are doing very well, but I actually want to show the grassroots of like 
starting from the bottom when it's tough and you got to grind, you got to hustle, and you got to you know work work every angle. Um, so I'm curious, what has been the most pivotal moment for you? When I decided that I was going to leave my full time job after college, it was a very difficult time for me. And you know, you're you're 23, 24 at the time, and and it's a difficult age. My sister's that age right now, and I could see the the pulling and and pushing every day with making decisions. And I sat down and I looked at what I had in front of me and I saw just an opportunity and I took eight months to make this decision. Okay. You know, and I, I spoke to people that I confided in at work and some people in my network and eight months it took me to decide like this is it. Yeah. I said it's either I stay here and I'm going on ESPN eventually. Yeah. That's going to be the path. I could see and that, yeah. it'd be great. You know, I'd probably be doing very well at you know, maybe Bleacher Report or someplace like that. I would have found my journey there and my niche there, so to speak. Yeah. But I said, there's something else going on here, and I have to try it. Because okay. I could always go back to Bleacher Report. Sure. I could always try ESPN. I felt that if those things didn't work out, I can go and, and do the other stuff. And so I think that's such a callous moment, and, and three things you said that resonate with me, and I think that could resonate with others, is that you kind of confided in those that were close to you, asked for their support, advice, you're like, am I crazy or not? Um, it also took you, you said, about eight months to make that decision or to do that leap, because I know when I started, just even as a blog working at Rutgers, I think two or three months in, I've told the stories. Like I remember telling my brother-in-law, like, oh, I'm going to leave in like two or three months. I was like, and I think they were like, all right, like you will, but like it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a little bit more than that. Mm -hmm. So I think people need to be patient. Um, so I'm curious, since that's been a big pivotal moment in your life, what's been a pivotal moment that has helped you kind of go to the next step with Hurricane Productions or with your personal brand or with what you're trying to do? Has, been, has there been a client that's giving you the work or a, a moment that you put out a piece of content that has taken you to that next step? Well, I think there's two things. One, I want to hit on the patience thing a little bit, okay. is that uh, there's nothing more that I am impatient for than everything in the world. I mean, I was telling the story the other day. I want to get somewhere, I open up my phone, and there's going to be a car at my house in three minutes. You know, like, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. But Time is of the essence. With business, I've learned so much patience. Mm -hmm. Is that you, it, There are some people that want to grow businesses, sell them, mm -hmm. and that's all well and good. They're not operators. Yeah. I am an operator, and I am comfortable with that. And I think in these later years of my 20s, I've just become so much more comfortable with who I am. And so many people have told me this since I'm 16. Be yourself, be yourself. Every step of the way when I met people, be yourself. And I think finally I could look at them and say, I am being myself. Yeah, yeah. So that's something that um, has been huge for me is yeah. to kind of turn that switch yeah. and not care what other people think because I'm finally confident. And I think that if you're asking about a client, that's starting to come out in some of the clients that we're working yeah. with is that they really want to know about me because I'm bringing me to the table. I'm not bringing this firm mentality or this yeah. agency mentality. Big corporate mentality. Yeah. Exactly. I'm yeah. just like, this is what I do, and I'm an open book, and like, let's just talk about stuff. Yeah. And I never had that before. I always thought I had to wear a suit and tie and like act a yeah. certain way, and you know, dot my eyes and cross my T's. <laughs> and I realized, you know, my imperfections actually sometimes work yeah. in my favor. Yeah. If that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, it does. So I like to relate it, um, and I'm spent. You know, I think we're super passionate. We're on our own, doing our own thing. I like to try to always tie it into people out there listening or college graduates that are like, all right, um, entrepreneurship isn't me, entrepreneurship isn't practical right now, side hustles and you know, I have enough on my plate. How would you, and maybe we'll pick the be yourself part, how would you recommend and what would you do to somebody that's like, well, sure, man, how do I be myself though in my full-time job, whether it's in education, corporation, 
uh, startup environment? Like, what would you tell somebody that is kind of doing more of a traditional nine to five job? Well, one of my um, one of the people who used to work at our company, Dave Constantini, he now works for Ogilvy in New York. Okay. And Dave went through a journey after college, couldn't find what he wanted to do. He spent a lot of time at our office, and I knew that we were a stop along the way for Dave, sure. without a doubt. And he eventually found a job at a smaller agency and ended up at Ogilvy. But he never gave up his um, his eye for visuals and photography. So no matter where Dave goes, whether it's the subway or to Africa, which he yeah. recently just did, Puerto Rico or whatever, he brings his camera with him. So he's not necessarily monetizing that, sure. but he's keeping his skills sharp because I think Dave is a guy who's not going to be at Ogilvy in five or ten years. He's going to be working for himself or working with a wow. team of people, and he's he's just grinding that that knife, you know, yeah. and keeping it sharp for himself. So I think for anybody in that 23, 24 year old realm who's got the nine to five. Do something else and push your week further. If 40 hours is where you're at, yeah. it's like it's like running on a treadmill. 40 yeah. minutes, yeah. push it to an hour. Yeah. See how that feels. So if it's just becoming a bartender even or you know working part-time at a company like ours or something like that where five to ten hours a week are really valuable, yeah. um, try it and see where your endurance is yeah. and see if you can push it to 60 yeah. or 70. And you know, and I think that, that'll bring you on your path to yeah. figuring out if you can do it. Especially if you're unhappy. There's no there's no reason. Um, Right now, if, if you have the 40-hour job, like do what you need to do, build an A yourself, but there's ways you can build your skill set or, or network. And I, I love the, the knife analogy because I really think, um, whether it's a, from a fulfillment side, like I want to volunteer on the weekends or take photography, um, or from a skill set side, it could be something that you could add to the current company or go back to. And so that's a really good story, mm -hmm. awesome story. Yeah. Hannah, could you give me a, a pen real quick? I don't want to take some notes. Sorry there for the uh, behind the scenes here. So. We talked about why I'm here, why you're, why you're that, why you're here. Mm -hmm. um, what's been a pivotal moment for you? Mm -hmm. I'm going through this a lot. It's a constant gut check. Um, what has been either the scariest thing you've experienced or the biggest risk you've taken? I think not having a salary for a while mm -hmm. was really interesting. I went from making fifty thousand dollars a year, yeah. having health benefits. Mm -hmm and all those good things that come with working at a full-time job, 401k options and all those things, and completely cutting it off. Yeah. And when I cut it off, our company was barely doing $80,000 in sales yeah. in a year. Yeah. And that was because it was a very part-time thing. Yeah. Now those $80,000 in sales, you're looking at you know at least 50% or more operating costs at the yeah. time because yeah. we didn't have the manpower. So we had no money, literally no money. No, no bank would look at us. No, you know, we didn't want to go into a credit union or anything yeah. like that. And we didn't, our, our parents aren't wealthy or anything yeah, you know yeah. we I had student loan debt still yeah. at the time so you know there's there's a lot of things that that were really scary at the time and I knew that I could stay on my health benefits until I was 26 well 26 came and then I didn't have health benefits Probably for six months fast. it came really fast you know eventually little things start to happen we start going on salary and things like that but very little yeah. you know because I want to be able to hire other people because yeah. if you're in it for the long game you're not there to starve your company or your resources of the money that you're you're bringing yeah. in. Yeah. And you're also hoping that you're building your network. So I think the initial two years after deciding to go full-time was um, a constant struggle every night before you go to bed. When you put all your when all those worries catch up to you, um, before you close your eyes at night, you're thinking, wow, I haven't received the paycheck in 18 weeks, yeah. 26 weeks, yeah. 36 weeks, you know. So that that starts to catch up to you yeah. after a while. Yeah. Mine hits, mine hits me on like Sunday nights. Yeah. From like, let's get a jump start on the week, but also like, all right, what do I have in play? What's coming up? Uh, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so I totally feel you. Um, 
this this is I don't have this down, but what have you done to get scrappy then? I mean, like in that time period especially, or even maybe now, I'm sure you had to get scrappy. You know, take mm-hmm. jobs or, or maybe take less margin or reinvest in things. I mean, how how are you scrappy? Or what advice would you offer to people that are um, need to do more with less, whether that be in their, their full-time organizational job or as a side hustle or an entrepreneurship role. When we went into the, we're going to do this full-time, I told Strato and we looked at each other and we agreed very, very strongly. Um, and I think that's a big part of the story is, is also Strato. Like, you know, as much as I've accomplished, he's, he's, he's done so much to balance me out yeah. and to help us move forward. But we looked at each other and we're like, every lead that comes in, every single one, you and I are going to do. Whether or not it's on a date that doesn't work for us or we're double booked or, you know, the money isn't great, but it's okay. We're going to do every single lead that comes in. And we did that, you know, and it was, it was rough, you know, and it was uh, constantly doing paperwork and all this type of stuff for clients that maybe necessarily at the time didn't seem like it was worth it, but we needed that capital. Um, And then, you know, at, at the end of it, 18 months, 24 months later, we're like, wow, we made some money. And that's when we looked at each other and said, wow, we could, you know, go travel and backpack Europe and like go see the Great Wall of China. And we we're like, let's hire an employee. Yeah. And that's keep what we it, did. Keep it going. You know, let's just yeah. keep it moving forward. So that's, those have been really important things is like every lead that comes in, let's just kill it and yeah. take it and not yeah. think about it. Um, if someone wants to contact us, let's contact them back. Yeah. And we closed, like, I, I don't have the math. Sure, yeah. But a lot of work came that's in awesome. during that time for sure. Wow. Yeah, that's such an important lesson that when you're starting out and you have really no name for yourself or no equity that you really got to kind of make it work. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, sometimes you'll have good clients, bad clients, good gigs, bad gigs. I, you know, it, it's, it's a very challenging thing. I, I said we're going yeah. on tour. That's yeah. what I said. We're yeah. just going to go on tour awesome. and do every job. Because when you're a musician, they'll, yeah. they'll be able to, to recognize this. You do everything. Yeah. If you're in a city and there's a bar gig available, but you, yeah. you played a small stadium yeah. Yeah. or a little arena or whatever, you take the bar gig too. Yeah. You know, yeah. So you're just trying to make it work. And that's how now you can say in your bio that you've done everything from Atlantic City to Boston. Right. So that's right. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So to, to call – actually, you know what? I kind of want to – I want to go here. Um, okay. I wrote this, quotes to talk off of. So you said in, um, and you gotta correct me on the actual title, I don't have it written here. Um, in the blog that I, in the the blog that I read, yeah, yeah. Uh, you said too many people rely on the next step or the next leap in their career on building or por- portfolio, buying more equipment or applying for jobs uh, posted on websites. Sure, all that sounds sensible, but I'm telling you none of it matters. Why does it matter? What does that what does that quote mean, or why did you write that? Well, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. That lead to that story is really who I am. I've gotten work without having the right equipment, yeah. you know. But it's not because I didn't know how to operate the equipment. Figure I could find it or find people that know how to do it. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be hiring me. They want me. They know if my passion is where we're talking about, my expertise or my um, my idea is sharp enough. Yeah. They're gonna that person's gonna be like, okay. I want you to do this for me. And they're not going to care who you bring in to help yeah. you do that. Yeah. Plus, if you're just going to websites job searching, you're going to lose very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, you're going to lose very long because nowadays the average hiring process is six months. Sure. So, yeah. you know, there are so many opportunities that can come your way or you're missing if you're just constantly going through that process mm-hmm. where you need to really reach out to people get online beyond the company's website, see who works there, get connections, pick up the phone, um, and and go out and put yourself out there because your resume is just a piece of paper or, you know, a a post on a website and you get put into a system, you know, everybody else, else, you know, you need to go out there and if you really want the job, someone's going to recognize that. It's just another human being. That's it. You know, if you can communicate with them, they're going to help you out. 
So uh, in Vin's blog post, he wrote about, I think, three or four stories of people that kind of gave him that first couple at-bats. And um, I'd like you to kind of pick one of those that really resonates maybe with you or the audience potentially and kind of break down like from beginning to end, like even to your first connection or how you, you know, broke through the gatekeeper um, and then the opportunity that kind of came with it and what you learned or what you got out of it. But I know there was three or four stories. In sure. There. Well, I think I might as well talk about my first one because it's when I learned this. Yeah. I didn't know any of this stuff. Yeah. You know, so many people, I, I actually went through a couple of my... Um, my seminars yesterday. Okay. So like, what have I been saying for the last five years? Like, and does it, does it, is it consistent? Does it make sense? Cause if I was going to come here and talk to you about stuff, am I living what I'm talking about yeah. Yeah. to get back to the roots of the question you just asked me, like that first time, yeah. am I still living that? And it was, I was, got to Rutgers and I was working the school newspaper and it wasn't enough for me. I wanted more. So how old were you? Or what, what year? 18. 18 yeah. Fresh, freshman. freshman yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, I was like, let me, reach out to an actual newspaper and see if they need so help. instead of the Targum, and Targum is the Rutgers newspaper, you went like straight for like what the... I actually emailed every, uh, I wanted to work in sports. Sure. Every sports reporter, I found their email addresses uh, because especially back in 2005, yeah. email was really easy to find yeah. on some Google searches. Yeah. So um, I found some personal email addresses. I found some you know professional email addresses. I emailed every single sports editor in the state of New Jersey from Cape May County all the way up to Bergen County. Uh, any newspaper, large so, or small. So what'd you say? Like, what? Give me, uh, like, what was an email? Like, was it short and sweet? Was it long? Or like, what? What do you? How'd you cut through? It was pretty short. It, it just said, uh, I'm, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I own my own business. Yeah. Um, but I'm willing to do anything. I'm not looking for a formal internship. That's awesome. I think that was the key because they are so used to uh, that application coming in from this scholarship program or whatever. And I'm like, I'm willing to do anything. Whatever you guys have or you need. Just let me know, and I'm willing to do it. Yeah. And I also added a couple little things here and there, yeah, you know, some trappings it. and that type of stuff. But it was really like I'm willing to do anything. Yeah. So the first person to get back to me was actually the sports editor of the Star Ledger, which is the largest newspaper in New Jersey. Awesome. And I was very surprised by that. I wasn't expecting that at all. He calls me and says, how far are you from from Newark? And I was in New Brunswick at the time. I'm like, well, I could be there in 40 minutes. He's like, no, you can come in tomorrow. <laughs> you know, and, he, and so I went in. And uh, he's like, here's what I need. Friday afternoons, I have five, uh, I have four kids, I'm going on my fifth. Uh, I can't get here that early in the morning. Can you come in and just answer the phones and like just make sure that things are all good until I get in around 11 or noon or whatever it is and wow. catch me up on what's going on. Wow. And literally, I just answered phones. Sports, mini speaking, how can I help so you? So was it all just like stories from the night before or things happening? It was really? everything. It was yeah. re back, in the, back then, reporters were still following stories via fax yeah. and FTP. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the newspaper needed to be you know, produced. Print got smaller in the newspaper, so old people will call up and yeah. say, I can't read these stories, what's wrong with you? They would ask for stats because you know they didn't have laptops or iPhones or anything. So I was following expenses for reporters you know, that were down in spring training. They'd send me their receipts in mail. I would then take those and translate those to, I mean, I was doing Very whatever. Very bottom level work, but you were grinding. Really, really. And there were interns coming in around me. So there were the formal internships from the universities and stuff like that that were coming in and getting into their program. They, they have a, Starledger had an internship program and I wasn't that, I was the guy answering phones wow. and, and actually even sometimes helping the interns. So, um, but it was a really unique space that I was in and it was an opportunity that I just, to just kind of like sum it up really quick, yeah. Friday, it's a Friday afternoon, the Yankees are on a West Coast swing, okay. they're playing the Angels and a starting pitcher for the Yankees uh, was starting uh, in a rehab assignment in Trenton. So Tom, who knew I could write, comes out of the, the, his office and says, hey, 
can you write, can you put a story together for me tonight? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I can I can freaking write. I've been waiting to write. I've been answering phones this whole time. He's like, can you get to Trenton in an hour? And I'm like, yeah. So I wrote that was my first like byline in the newspaper was because the reporter was on a plane and I was just there. So great place for time. But you you deserve that at bat by grinding. So how many months or or how long was that into I was probably about three months. Yeah. You know, and I increased my work from Fridays to Mondays to you know, Wednesday nights, you know, so Fridays was my starting point. And I was like, well, I end class at four o'clock on Mondays. You guys need anything on Monday night? You know, so yeah. it was just a constant. This was freshman year. Probably, yeah. probably made like zero bucks, probably losing yeah. money on commuting. Definitely. I think they paid me like $8 yeah. an hour. Yeah. You know, I had to like pay for tolls and gas and everything. And all that, I was still running Hurricane yeah. and I was still going to college. I was still doing events on the weekends, you know, like I was still doing sweet 16s and communions and proms and weddings and stuff yeah. on the weekends. So um, it was a crazy time. You know, and I, I did okay in school too. Yeah. You know, I definitely, I had professors that understood too. That's another thing. I talked to my professors about what I was trying to accomplish and some were very helpful in trying to help, good. help that happen. Wow. Hey everyone, this is Dan, videographer and podcast producer for The Niche Movement. Thanks for checking out this week's podcast. We'll be releasing the second half of our interview with Vincent Velasquez next week. So make sure to come back and check it out.